Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sometimes life can feel like a pressure cooker. From our work life to our personal lives and relationships, there's so much to balance. It's easy to feel weighed down when you're experiencing anxiety, stress, or sadness. But guess what? You're not alone. You may not know it now, but support is all around you. No matter where you are, all you need to do is ask. Let us help find you a community at churchescare.com. Churches are communities of care. Go to C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S-Care.com to explore the possibilities. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, the X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. too good to be true. Thank you for taking the time to listen. The subject for today's show is men in black. Before we start getting into details, let's just briefly talk about psychic insight and how we apply it. We choose a subject, then research it. Then based on that research, we determine what we think needs to be explained by creating a series of questions. Then Justina provides psychic insight to answer those questions. The psychic insight is narrated towards the end of the show. Accepting the psychic insight is a question of individual belief. Now let's go through the disclaimers. Here are the disclaimers. Neither of us claim to have any expertise in any subjects that we discuss. We relate information we find through research and the psychic insight. We are always delighted to hear from the listeners. The show only lasts an hour. We don't have the time to present exhaustive research on any topic. This means that there will be information that we miss. We want to provide a basis for the psychic insight. We don't care if a theory turns out too good to be true, as the show name suggests. We are only interested in finding out more of the truth about topics. Spirit can only relate, only relate insight that is appropriate for our time in history. 
free will cannot be affected. Only comments that are appropriate for our time can be given through the Psychic Insight. Much of the subject matter in shows may have already been covered many times in other media. We want to look into subjects in a new, different way and be thought-provoking. We are not so good with pronouncing names, we apologize, and neither of us have any particular knowledge of extraterrestrial studies or of national or international security. If we have misstated anything, we apologize. I would think that most people are aware of the four Men in Black comedy action movies, starting with Men in Black, released in July of 1997, and continuing to Men in Black International, released in June of 2019. There was also a television series with the same name as the original movie that ran between 1997 and 2001. The original movie, Men in Black, was extremely popular and broke box office records. For some, there may be the nagging question, is there any truth behind the stories? But most probably think that these movies are highly entertaining works of fiction, with maybe a grain of truth in there somewhere. But where did the idea come from for the first movie? According to Wikipedia, it came from comic books first published in 1990 with the following plot, quote, The Men in Black is an international intelligence organization which oversees and investigates both good and evil paranormal activity on Earth. Their remit includes alien life, demons, mutants, zombies, werewolves, vampires, legendary creatures and other paranormal beings. In order to keep their investigation secret, much of the global population are unaware of their activities and are liably, liable to be neuralized to blank out their memory of any interaction with the agents, unquote. Being neuralized means to have your short-term memory raised by an electro-biomechanical device operated by the men in black. Just to dig a little deeper, where did the comic books get their ideas from? Apparently from Alexander K. Bender, who claimed that he was approached by Men in Black. The following quote is from Wikipedia. Quote, Albert K. Bender, June 16, 1921 and March 29, 2016, author of the 1962 nonfiction book Flying Sources and the Three Men, was one of the most influential UFO ufologists of the 1950s and 60s. He served in the United States Army Air Forces during World War II. He was obsessed with the UFO phenomena and became a UFO researcher, founding the International Flying Sorcerers Bureau. In 1965, he founded the Max Steiner Music Society, unquote. Max Steiner was a composer well known for his musical scores for movies. Did Alexander Bender's path cross with some of the men in black? Wikipedia explains the strange story. Quote, he founded the International Flying Source Bureau, IFSB, the first major civilian UFO club in the world in 1952. Although the organization was a success at first, he suddenly shut it down in 1953. Bender later told that in March 1953, he had been approached by three men in black. These men visited, visited him in his house and communicated with him telepathically. He received a metal disc from, one, from them and instruction. He reported that he felt like he was being transported. These men apparently shared insights into the nature of UFOs. These men shared the origin of UFOs with Bender. Afterwards, he became ill and didn't eat for three days. As a result of the visitation, Bender felt encouraged to share what he had seen with other UFO investigators, but was refused. Bender suffered frequent headaches after the three men visited him and his co-workers reported that he seemed scared. The article continues. Bender reported that he had a second supernatural encounter. He was visited by three shadowy figures. They did not touch the floor, but hovered above it. They told him that their human appearance was an illusion and that whatever information he told people about their visitation would not be believed. They supposedly told him that they captured people from Earth and used their bodies to disguise themselves. Space Review was the official magazine about ufology, ufology news at the time in 1953. Late in the summer of 1953, Bender made a series of discoveries which led him to believe that he had finally found the truth to the UFO cover-up. He had planned to reveal his findings in the October issue of the Space Review, 
but before the issue was published, Bender was visited by three men dressed in black who had already, caught, who had already read the unpublished report and confirmed his findings. The silencers, as he called them, scared Bender to the point where he did not publish the report, but left a warning. We advise those engaged in saucer work to please be very cautious. Bender then suspended publishing his publication and dissolved the IFSB, unquote. That account makes the men in black seem even more sinister and explains the short life of Alexander Bender's International Flying Saucers Bureau. Apparently, Alexander Bender was a changed man after the encounters, living his life in constant anxiety and terror. He allegedly received mysterious phone calls with nobody on the other end until the end of his life in 2002. He probably believed that he had encountered extraterrestrials with the power to destroy him. But now that we have looked at how the fictional stories may have evolved, let's look at other alleged interactions. The Thought Catalog website has several freaky stories, starting with that of Dr. Herbert Hopkins. MIB is used as an abbreviation for Men in Black in the account of the events. Quote, Dr. Herbert Hopkins was working as a consultant on a UFO case in Maine. One evening he received a phone call from someone purporting to be an activist in the UFO community asking him if he could visit Hopkins to discuss the case. Only minutes later, the man arrived. The man was wearing a black suit and black tie and had very unusual facial appearances, with no hair or eyebrows and an extremely pale figure. Hopkins' dog began barking erratically the minute the man entered the home. After the bizarre visitor was finished questioning him about a UFO case, the visit got even stranger. The article continues referring to the Night Sky website. The man in black informed Hopkins that there were two coins in Hopkins' pocket, which was correct, and asked him to remove one. Hopkins complied and held the coin a shiny new penny in the palm of his hand. The MIB told Hopkins to watch the coin closely. After a few moments, the coin took on a silvery appearance and then appeared to be going out of focus. It then began to fade and eventually disappeared altogether. The MIB informed Hopkins that the coin would never be seen on this plane again. He then inquired in, as to whether Hopkins was familiar with the alleged UFO abductee Barney Hill. Hopkins replied that he had heard of Hill, but was under the impression that he had died in a not-too-distant past. The MIB informed Hopkins that was correct. Barney didn't have a heart, said the MIB, just like you no longer have a coin. It should be noted that Barney Hill actually died of a cerebral hemorrhage. The MIB then gently suggested that Hopkins destroy any material he had related to the UFO case, unquote. How did the story conclude? The Thought Catalog article explains that Dr. Herbert Hopkins did what he was told to do. Quote, Hopkins, extremely shaken by the encounter, followed the advice of the man in, and burned all the files he had related to the case. While he had repeated phone troubles after the phone company said his line had been tampered with, maybe to tap it, he never saw the man again, unquote. That was pretty scary, but what is the next alleged encounter? Again, the stories from the Th Thought Catalog website involving a radio personality from the state of Virginia. Quote, Danny Gordon was a radio personality who became interested in a flurry of Wythe County UFO sightings. Multiple people across the country, county, sorry, claimed to have seen bizarre objects in the sky, and Gordon decided to investigate. Gordon became obsessed with getting photos of the objects, including one time where an entire school bus of students saw the UFOs flying over a shopping mall as Gordon took photos. Eventually, Gordon snapped a few photos at extremely close range that allegedly verified they were not of this world. However, Strange things began happening to Gordon. He received a phone call from a man who claimed to be ex-military and warned him that his research could cost him everything and urged him to stop for his family's sake. Gordon was also interviewed by two men in black suits who claimed to work for a magazine publication. Not long after the interview, Gordon realized that all his photos were missing. But I think we'll have to continue this after the break. 
Yes, we'll continue this quote after the break. And you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. It's hard to listen to the news without realizing we're living in volatile, unprecedented times. Yet never has there been such an opportunity to transform the human condition. As old structures fail, where can we find the guidance to co-create a better way? Find Your Path Home is an ever-evolving, leading-edge information, education, and healing resource center designed to support and guide you on your path to unity and enlightenment. Based on sound principles employed by shaman worldwide, we provide techniques that can support you through the current transitions, offering online shamanic classes, international long-distance shamanic healing sessions, complimentary Mission Evolution radio episodes and Stairway to Heaven TV vignettes, seminars, retreats, and much more. All of this can be found on findyourpathhome.com. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, Simultv.com, Simultv.com. What's Simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a Simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about SIMULTV.com. SIMULTV.com. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, Dad, you were quoting from Thought Catalog about an interesting experience, allegedly, with the men in black from Virginia. Can you please continue? Yes, I will. Thank you, Justina. Not long after the interview, Gordon realized that all his photos were missing. He contacted the magazine for information, and they claimed to have never heard of him, much less commissioned an article about him. Not long after, Gordon suffered a heart attack, and his doctor warned him that all of the research distress was jeopardizing his health. Gordon gave up the story and was never bothered again, unquote. During the episode, when we discuss the story of the Mothman, who was sighted in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, the subject of the Men in Black came up. Yes, we didn't mention Indrid Cold. A blog from the Amino Apps website describes some strange events. Quote, on November the 2nd, 1966, 13 days before the first major sighting of Mothman, a sewing machine salesman named Woodrow Derenberger was driving home on Interstate 77 near Parkersburg, West Virginia. Another vehicle suddenly appeared on the road, passed him and stopped in front of him, forcing him to stop as well. A very unusual person got out. Derenberger would lately rem- later remember that the man had an unusually large grin as he spoke and began asking a number of questions. The man wore a dark suit and spoke oddly as he did so. The strange vehicle in which he had appeared hovered some 40 feet off the ground. He identified himself as Indrid Cold and said he would meet with Derenberger again soon, then re-entered the vehicle and departed, unquote. Indrid Cold was apparently later seen several times in Point Pleasant during the Moffin sightings. 40 feet is about 12 meters. If I recall correctly, some men in black Im- intimidated a local journalist. Here's more from the Amino Apps blog, 
quote, between the first major sighting of Mothman in November 1966 and the collapse of the Silver Bridge in December 1967, UFO appearances were numerous in the area. One lady I met there who lived in Point Pleasant at the time and is now a curator at the local history museum and who seemed sceptical about Mothman told me that strange lights and objects in the sky were so common during that period that she stopped taking notice of them. At the same time, witnesses began to be visited by strange men in dated black suits. Of particular note were the experiences of Mary Hires and her niece, Connie Carpenter. Hires was a reporter for the Athens Messenger and ran that newspaper's regional office in Point Pleasant. She published numerous articles on the Mothman and local UFO sightings and was visited several times by men in black who advised her to be silent. Connie, Mary's niece, had one of the most terrifying encounters with a mothman. While driving home from church one Sunday around 10.30 a.m. in broad daylight, she saw a large creature with wings and glowing eyes standing by Route 62 on a golf course. It stared at her car and then suddenly flew toward her windshield, then vanished. Connie's encounter caused her to contract Clyde conjunctivitis, a bleeding eye condition that only results from prolonged exposure to ultraviolet light. On February the 22nd, 1967, as Connie left her house at 8.15 a.m., a black 1949 Buick pulled up. A man with a deep suntan and shiny colorful shirt got out, opened the door and asked her to get in. When she refused, he attempted to grab her and tore her blouse. She later received a threatening note, which she took as a warning not to speak further about her Mothman experience. The threat worked. Connie has since generally refused requests for taped interviews, unquote. The Mothman Museum in Point Pleasant has an exhibit with a mannequin dressed as a man in black, with their appearance being part of the Mothman story. But there is, a, a, there is an alleged man in black encounter at Long, Loch Ness. I had hoped that we had drawn a line under Loch Ness and the supposed monster and didn't need to discuss that subject again. It was really crazy trying to even record that episode. The account is from another blog, Loch Ness Monster Blogspot. The story is originally related by Ted Holliday, a paranormal researcher referred to in the blog as Holliday. The encounter happened in 1973. Quote, it is a strange story, not just for the weirdness factor, but because of some inconsistency, inconsistencies. The encounter apparently happened only days after the Reverend Donald Omand had conducted his famous exorcism of Loch Ness in June 1973. Holiday had heard of a report that a flying saucer and occupants had been spotted on the ground near Foyers by Jan Over Sundberg previously in 1971. He wished to track down the site, but first visited local psychic, Winifred Carey, who advised him against, against visiting the site because she felt it presented a danger. At this point, Holiday writes, At the precise moment, there was a tremendous rushing sound like a tornado outside the window, and the garden seemed to be filled with an undefinable, frantic mo movement. A series of violent thuds sounded as if from a heavy object striking either the wall or the sound lounge door. Through the window behind Miss, Mrs. Carey, I suddenly saw what looked like a pyramid-shaped column of blackish smoke about eight feet high, revolving in a frenzy. Part of it was of it was involved in a rose bush, which looked as it had been ripped from the ground. Mrs. Carey shrieked and turned her face towards the window. The episode lasted about 10 or 15 seconds and then was instantly finished. He did not visit the site, but instead found himself in a local village of Foyers the next day and saw a peculiar figure entirely dressed in black looking at him from about 30 yards away. He was about six feet tall and appeared to be dressed in black leather or plastic. He wore a helmet and gloves and was masked, even to the nose, mouth and chin. He walked towards the figure, but it turned his head to look at the lock for a couple of seconds, heard a whispering or whistling sound and turned to see the person had gone. Nothing more came of it until a year later when he came back to Loch Ness but suffered a mild heart attack. As he was taken to the ambulance, the medics passed over the spot where he had first seen the man in black. Unquote. Foyers is a village located on the shore of Loch Ness. Six feet is about 1.8 metres. I think we should move on from Scotland. 
Where was the first encounter that we have time to talk about? Final encounter occurred in Owatonna, Minnesota, USA. USA. The story from the Mysterious Universe website was originally from author John Keel, who interviewed a Mrs. Butler, the lady who encountered the man in black, Major Richard French. Quote, Location was a field in a rural part of the 19th century city of Owatonna, Minnesota. It was late one night in 66 when a Mrs. Butler and a friend were staring at a patch of the night sky, watching a curious display of unidentified bright lights dance around. Without warning, one of the lights dropped from the heavens at high speed. Just before it hit the ground, the UFO came to a sudden halt, bobbing just a few feet above the field, not unlike a small boat on ocean waters. In disturbing fashion, Mrs. Butler fell to the ground and briefly appeared to be under some kind of supernatural possession. Suddenly, the light shot away, vanishing into the night sky, and Mrs. Butler recovered. Ominously, and for the next few days, whenever the two friends tried to share the details of their first their encounter, they were hit by pummeling migraines and debilitating weakness. But there was something else, too. During the course of the interview between Mrs. Butler and John Keel, something very intriguing surfaced. Quite out of the blue, she asked Keel if he knew anything about mysterious men visiting UFO witnesses, men who looked like military personnel, but who may not have been. Keel, who was hardly a stranger to the MIB phenomenon, played matters down a bit and said that, yes, he'd heard a, heard a, he had heard a few such stories. Actually, Keel had dozens of such cases on record, but he didn't want to risk influencing Mrs. Butler. Instead, Keel sat back and listened as she told her story. It sounds like John Keel was an expert on the subject. John Keel was a journalist and influential UFOologist. The article continues, quote, Mrs. Butler told Keel that some six months after the UFO sighting, a major Richard French turned up on her doorstep, identifying himself as a representative of the military and asking questions about flying saucers. Just like all of the men in black, there was something just not right about Major French. His skin was an odd shade of olive. His face was extremely pointed, and particularly so his chin. He spoke English, but his accent was, was as blank as it could be, and he was dressed in a suit and a black tie rather than in a military outfit. Very oddly, Major French, quite out of the blue, said that his stomach was causing him some trouble. Mrs. Butler offered him some jello, which he quickly declined. He soon left. The next day, though, the major was back. Yet again, he complained about his stomach. Mrs. Butler again offered him a bowl of jello, hoping that it might help. Here is where the surreal became beyond surreal. For a moment or two, Major French stared at the jello, seemingly completely unaware of what it was. He then stared at the spoon Mrs. Butler had given him as if he had no comprehension of what it was. He then awkwardly picked up the bowl and proceeded to try and drink the jello. Mrs. Butler went silent and stared in disbelief. Major French did not hang around, realizing it seems that Miss, Mrs. Butler knew something that was, quite, was not quite normal, which is an understatement of absolutely epic proportions. He quickly left, never again bothering Mrs. Butler." Unquote. With that, please ask the first question. I don't know if we got time for the first question before the break. Maybe we should talk about our Facebook page. Yes, we have our Facebook page at Too Good To Be True with the first two spelled T-W-O. Or you can go to our Instagram page at 2-T-W-O-G-T-B-T. But we'll continue after the short break. And you're listening to Too Good To Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net.
Path Home Shamanic Art School proudly presents the Gathering of Shaman 2019 Fall Retreat, Manifestation Samhain. Join me, Certified Shamanic Instructor Gwilda Wiecka, in the magnificent Colorado Mountains this November 2nd and 3rd for a life-changing event. Participate in unique teachings and ceremonies that will put the power and magic of shamanic manifestation into your hands. Sit in circle with like-minded individuals, sharing group energy and the power it generates. Classes will be held in a facility next to the beautiful, majestic Arkansas River, further empowering the experience. Space is limited, so reserve your spot today. For more information, visit findyourpathhome.com or email touchin at findyourpathhome.com. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomenon, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, The X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. good to be true and before the break we are about to go into the questions and psychic insight about the men in black so dad can you please ask the first question did the comic books that the 1997 1997 movie men in black was based on get their idea from the experiences of alexander bender vaguely yes they combined it with other factors and knowledge but vaguely yes in March of 1953, was Alexander Bender approached by three men in black? He was approached by some strange man, yes. Did the three visit Alexander Bender in his house, and did they communicate with him telepathically? They were speaking without words, yes. So not telepathically in the sense where actual words are being communicated, but more where there's this knowing. Did he receive a metal disc from them as well as being given instruction? Yes. Did Alexander Bender feel like he was being transported? Yes, he did. Were insights into the nature of UFOs shared as well as the origin of UFOs? There is some knowledge shared, yes, but not a complete comprehensive knowledge, more like bits and pieces. Did Alexander Bender then become ill and not eat for three days? Yes. Did he try to share what he had seen with other UFO investigators but was refused? Yes, he did try to share the experience. Was he scared after the visit while also suffering from frequent headaches? He was very scared and the headaches were related to the fear he was having too. So psychologically, he was not doing well. Was Alexander Bender later visited by three shadowy figures who hovered above the floor. 
They were not really hovering, but more just not standing on the floor. So it was more, you could say, more spirit ghost-like than human-like. Did the shadowy figures explain that their human appearance was an illusion, using captured human bodies to disguise themselves? No, that information is incorrect. Did they tell him that whatever he told about he told about their visit that he wouldn't be believed? They did tell him that, yes. Did Alexander Bender intend to publish his findings regarding a UFO cover-up in in the October 1953 edition of the magazine, The Space Review? Yes. After the strange visits, did he decide not to publish in The Space Review? He was scared, so yes, his decision was based in fear. Was fear of the men in black the reason why Alexander Bender dissolved the International Flying Saucer Bureau? Yes, it is. Did Alexander Bender live his life in constant anxiety and terror following the strange encounters? Yes, again, psychologically, he was not well. Did he receive mysterious phone calls with nobody on the other end until the end of his life in 2002? Yes. Did he believe that there were extra, extraterrestrial beings that, he, that had the power to destroy him? He did, and he was worried that they would come back again and destroy him. Changing subject to Dr. Herbert Hopkins, did he receive a phone call from a self-described activist in the UFO community who then arrived just a few minutes later? Yes. Did the person claiming to be an activist wear a black suit and black tie while having an unusual facial appearance with no hair or eyebrows while being extremely pale? The person was strange in appearance, yes. Did the man in black inform Hopkins that there were two coins in Hopkins' pocket, asking him to remove one? Yes, they did know the contents of his pocket. Did the coin, a shiny new penny, after a few minutes take on a silvery appearance and then appear not appear to be to to be out of focus? No. Did it begin to fade to eventually disappear altogether? No. What happened to the coin? The coin actually got lost, so it got dropped and misplaced. But during the fear of the situation, it seemed like the coin disappeared. So that's a problem in the situation, is that there's the strange visit from the unknown beings. But there is also the fear of it too. And when fear is in play, the situations can seem a lot different for smaller details than they actually are. With Barney Hill having died in the not-too-distant past, did the man in black inform Hopkins that alleged UFO abductee Barney Hill did have a heart just like Hopkins no longer had a coin? They said something along those lines, yes. Did the man in black then gently suggest that Hopkins destroy any material he had related to the UFO case? They did urge him to destroy that, yes. Did Hopkins burn all the files related to the case that were in his possession? Yes, he did. Did Hopkins subsequently have trouble with his phone line with it having been tampered with? Yes, his phone line was actually disconnected. Changing subject to radio personality Danny Gordon, after his UFO investigations, did he receive a phone call from a man who claimed to be ex-military, warning him that his research would cost could cost him everything, urging him to stop for his family's sake? Yes. Was Gordon interviewed by two men in black suits who claimed to work for a, a magazine publication? Yes, there were two men who showed up and were talking. Not long after the interview, did Gordon realise that all his photos were missing? Yes. Did he contact the magazine for information whose representatives claimed to have never heard of him, much less commissioned an article about him? Correct. The men were not from the magazine whatsoever. Not long after, did Gordon suffer a heart attack with his doctor warning him that all the research and stress was jeopardizing his health? Yes, the doctor was 100% correct. Whether stress and fear can cause very physical symptoms. Was Gordon never bothered again after giving up, his, uh, giving up the story? Yes, correct. Changing subject to the Moffman sightings in West Virginia. Before the first major sighting, did a man in a dark suit force Woodrow Derenberger to stop his vehicle while he was driving home. Yes. 
Did the man in the dark suit have an unusually large grin speaking oddly while asking a number of questions? Yes. Did the man in the dark suit's vehicle hover some 40 feet off the ground? No, that's incorrect. Where did that part of the story come from? Basically, with how the appearance was outside, the car looked like he wasn't on the ground. However, he was. So again, fear set in, and when fear and nerves set in, facts are not always facts. Did the strange man identify himself as Indrid Cold before departing in his vehicle, saying that he would meet Derenberger again soon? Yes. Why did Indrid Cold interrupt Woodrow Derenberger's journey home, just to introduce himself? He was actually making it so he wouldn't be on the road at that time. So he is pausing his travel so that he would be safe. So it was a more, you could say, divine intervention, or it wasn't exactly a man in black. However, it was a more spiritual situation where the car had to be delayed. So Woodrow Ber- Derenberger's life was being saved, or was he being saved from serious injury? Correct. So that's why during the situation, there was so much fear. Nothing was actually hovering. But it was a spirit from the spirit world who was making sure his timeline was fulfilled. And the strange appearance had to be at play in the fear so that he would actually slow down with the situation and pause a moment so that his life could basically be saved. Was injured cold seen several times in Point Pleasant during the Moffman sightings? Yes. Between the first major sightings of Moffman in November 1966 and the collapse of the Silver Bridge in December 1967, were there numerous UFO appearances in the area? There were, yes. Were witnesses to UFO sightings and the Moffman appearances visited by strange men in dated black suits? Some of them, yes. Others were visited by other people, including women. So depending on the situation, it could have been a different look of the person. Were some humans from government, while others were from elsewhere? Yes, correct. So some were government researching the town, while others were actually just trying to figure out what was going on with the beings. So there was interaction, you could say, between the spirit world and beings that were there. Was reporter Mary Hires, who published numerous articles on on the Mothman and local UFO sightings, visited several times by men in blank, who advised her to be silent? There were some people, yes, that visited her and wanted her to be quiet, yes. Following Mary Hires' niece, Connie Carpenter, having an encounter with the Mothman on February 22, 1967, as Connie left her house at 8.15 a.m., Did a black 1949 Buick pull up? Yes. Did a man with a deep suntan and shiny colorful shirt get out, open the car door and ask her to get in? Yes, he did. When Connie refused, did the man attempt to grab her, tearing her blouse? Yes, that's correct. Why wasn't the man wearing a dark suit? The man wasn't a man in black, as you typically think of. So he's more related to a cover-up and keeping information more private. So that's a problem with a lot of these sightings, is that not everything is the so-called men in black, which are paranormal beings. Some are actual people, and some are intervening for other reasons. Did Connie Carpenter later receive a threatening note which she took as a warning not to speak further about her Mothman experiences? Yes. Changing subject to Loch Ness and the supposed experiences of Jan Ove Sundberg, had Sundberg previously in 1971 spotted a flying saucer and its occupants on the ground near the village of Foyers? Yes, that information is correct. Don't think we've got time for another question before the break, Justina. We'll continue after the short break, and you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net.
If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar's sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I dot net. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide 15 exclusive channels like Exxon, Sci Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world, interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today, Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we are going through the questions and psychic insight about the men in black. Dad, can you please continue with the questions? Yes, I will. I'm still in Loch Ness. Did Sunberg visit local psychic Winifred Carey, who advised him against visiting the site because she felt it presented a danger? Yes. At the time of the visit, was there a, a was there a tremendous rushing sound like a tornado outside the window? with a garden filled with indefinable frantic movement. Yes. Did a series of violent thuds occur as if from a heavy object striking either the wall or the sun lounge door? Yes. Out of a window was a pyramid-shaped column of blackish smoke about eight foot high, seen revolving. There is a strange object outside, yes, so it could be described as that. Did the entire episode that finished instantly last only for about 10 or 15 seconds? Yes, it was very, very brief. The next day in the village of Foyers, did Sunberg see a peculiar figure entirely dressed in black, looking at him from about 30 yards away? No, that was not a figure or anything like that. He saw something wrong, so it wasn't actually a person or being. It was just a part of the town. A year later, on returning to Loch Ness, did Sunberg suffer a mild heart attack close to where he thought he saw a strange figure resembling a man in black? Yes, but that was unrelated. So that was natural and not related to anything paranormal. Changing subject to Mrs. Butler in Owatana, Minnesota, during one night in 1966, did Mrs. Butler and a friend watch a curious display of unidentified bright lights in the night sky? Yes. Without warning, did one of the lights dropped from the sky at high speed, 
come to a sudden halt just before it hit the ground, bobbing just a few feet above a field. Yes. Did Mrs. Butler fall to the ground and briefly appear to be under some kind of supernatural possession? She did fall to the ground, yes, but it was more because of the shock, not the actual situation. Did the light then shoot away, vanishing into the night sky? Yes. For the next few days, whenever the two friends tried to share the details of their encounter, were they hit by pummeling migraines and debilitating weakness? That was their human reaction. So again, the reaction of fear and just the whole situation and the shock. So it's nothing to do with the actual beings or anything like that. It was their human mind trying to not discuss information. Six months after the strange light or UFO sighting, did a major Richard French turn up on Mrs. Butler's doorstep, identifying himself as a representative of the military? Yes. Was Major French dressed in a suit and black tie? Yes, he was. Did he have a pointed face with olive-shaded skin? Yes. Did he speak with a black blank accent? That could be said, yes. Did Major French complain that he had stomach trouble, declining an offer of some jello? Yes. The next day, did he return again, complaining of stomach trouble, but this time accepting Mrs. Butler's offer of a bowl of jello? Yes, that's correct. Did Major French stare at the jello, unaware of what it was, and then try to drink it? Yes. Did he then abruptly leave, not bothering Mrs. Butler again? That's all correct, yes. So the classic men in black are paranormal, but do humans imitate them, behaving in a similar manner? Yes, 100%. So there's been this rumor of the men in black for quite a long time. So it became an easy way to intimidate people and a way to fulfill this rumor. The problem is that you never know if these are more spiritual and paranormal beings or if it's actually human trying to appear less human-like. So the problem today, too, is that the makeup, prosthetics, different ways can actually make a person look totally unhuman-like, which can cause a lot more intimidation compared to having someone who just looks like a typical human. Why are paranormal beings appearing as men in black with the aim of suppressing information? So that's the problem. The rumor that the men in black are not very good is true. So in the case of the warning with the car, that was just something that appeared like the men in black, but it wasn't actually one of them. However, the actual men in black in the paranormal sense are trying to suppress information and trying to not let a timeline of events move forward. So they are not the best beings. However, again, there are also the men in black, which are more, you could say, connected to humans and are actually human, who are just imitating these paranormal beings. So the problem here is that the stories are all different, and they have different beings, people, spirits that are visiting them. So just because someone is dressed in a black suit and appears to be a little bit different doesn't always mean that it is one of these paranormal ones and is there to scare someone. It could just be a person, or it could be something intervening for a different reason. Besides making the Men in Black characters human, was there any other motivation in making the Men in Black movies? Again, there is this fear that they can be put into people. So if some humans imitate what the Men in Black in the paranormal sense are, then that puts in a lot of fear. So there's this fear that if people do speak up about certain events, that they will be threatened or even punished. So there is this fear that's going back for thousands and thousands of years where people try to put fear into others so that they won't speak up about certain situations. Can you say a little more about the content of the movies, especially that of the original movie? In making movies, the movie is carefully prepared, especially when it discusses such an interesting topic, you could say. So with movies, always be very careful about what type of message it is trying to portray and if it's trying to put an underlining fear or what it makes you feel. So movies are put out just to scare people, such as horror movies, obviously. But also other movies may have these underlying messages that people don't always catch. Why did the strange event of the disturbance in the garden occur near Loch Ness? Basically because of where Loch Ness is. So because it is so, you could say, spiritually thin. 
So the veil between the spiritual world and the human world are so thin that it creates a place where spiritual and paranormal events can happen a little bit easier. So all these events happened around there, and there are a lot of events that occur around there. So you will see these different parts of the world where the veil is just a little bit thinner. With disclosure of extraterrestrial phenomena seem, seeming to be ongoing, are we to expect more sightings of men in black? That could be said. It really depends, again, what the human men in black and what the paranormal men in black decide. So the paranormal men in black have, you could say, no contract or no agreement for when and where they are going to show up. However, the human men in black are there to make sure certain information is not released. So it really depends on how much information people know and if they are getting to the point of disclosing it. And if this is more public knowledge, where there is discussing, disclosing information. Where do the paranormal men in black come from? So the paranormal ones are actually a different type of being. So there are extra, they are extraterrestrial in nature, such as the common belief. So you can think of them as more leaning towards the knocked side. However, what they think they are doing, they believe they are doing the right thing. So they are making it so the timeline events is what they believe is right, is occurring. That was the last answer. Is a better understanding of men in black of different types too good to be true? That depends on what you are prepared to believe. Well, I thought it was a risk talking about Loch Ness and we got through it okay. Um, I didn't realize that the veil was thinner up there. Yeah, I think the interesting kind of takeaway from this whole thing is that it seems that some people just kind of assume that their experience is something. So in this case, some people just assume that they were having experience with men in black. So it's really difficult. And I mean, they even know that in other situations is that when someone's a witness to something, that fear and that remembering details is actually very hard. So that's actually a known fact that being a witness to anything is really, really hard. Yes. Um, what I've been told is that in a, in a stressful, very stressful situation or, or fear, that the short-term memory goes into a sort of a spasm, if you, if you forgive that, that you just don't even remember your own name. So uh, I'm not surprised by the, the Psychic Insight saying that uh, some of the details were not facts because of the stressful nature of the situation. Well, and I think the kind of sad part, the takeaway from this too, is make sure you lock your door, don't answer for strangers, and there's a lot of strange people and strange events out there, so always be really careful who you let into your home, and, you know, even if you're out on the road, if you're driving, if you're walking, always to be really careful. Yes, and if they drink the jello, get the heck out of there. Um, <laughs> I'm wondering what other movies have got some strange twists behind their storylines. Maybe we could get some listener suggestions. Yeah, we could ask the listeners. We're asking everyone now is if there's a movie we want you want us to cover, we're willing to do that. I'm really into horror movies, so I've seen most horror movies, but there's also a lot of different ones, thrillers, um, sci-fi. There's some very, very interesting movies out there. Yeah, I think the sci-fi in particular, um, I mean, we talked about the original series of Star Trek quite a bit, and they actually had a psychic on staff that helped them out with the storylines, apparently, or allegedly. So, um, well, and that's my preference talking about that, those shows, I guess. But uh, bringing things up to date, um, maybe there's some more modern uh, shows or movies that uh, have some basis in fact behind them. Well, always, as always, you can contact us on our Facebook page at Too Good To Be True or Instagram page at TWOGTBT with any suggestions for future shows, any comments about today's shows. And as always, thank you so much for listening and we look forward to next week's show.
How would your life change if you could develop the business and personal skills that you need in order to make more money? Do you want to learn how to achieve your big life goals faster? Then go to findhiddenmoney.com and get the Goal For It online course. The course teaches you how you can set and achieve your biggest goals while completely overcoming the roadblocks to your goals so that you can realize your dreams and imagine more success. Go to findhiddenmoney.com. Memorable dynamic presentations are a not-so-secret weapon in the business world. Do you have a powerful message that must be shared, but you haven't found a way to deliver that message? Do you want to be known as a top public speaker who gets amazing results? Are you ready to create and deliver your powerful message? Thomas Hyde can help you create and deliver your speech to get the results you desire. Visit IconQuality.com. Did you expect your business to flourish, but instead it plateaued or didn't get off the ground yet? Would you like to achieve massive goals and discover new sources of income within your business? When you're ready to experience that type of success with fast results, Cindy Hendricks is the business coach for you. Her work with entrepreneurs and business owners has been life-changing. To get you and your business where you want to be, go to imaginemoresuccess.com. Has the fear of public speaking stalled your business or personal life? What would you give to develop and maintain supreme confidence? Have an invaluable private program to always perform at your best. Imagine how you would feel. You can have all that and so much more today with Thomas Hyde's life-changing course called Number One Fear Unleashed. Visit numberonefear.com and be liberated from your fear of public speaking.